welcome to this week's episode of the Johnny Ray Show with a special guest. This week I have a very good friend. I've known him for close to 30 years, Joseph Williams. We're going to talk about everything, current events, politics, the DNC, and much more first. Today, podcasts are all the rage. Everyone wants a voice, and now Anchor has given you that voice. Anchor is the easiest way to podcast, whether it's political or fun, about parenting, or just your day-to-day routine. Anchor is the free, easy way to get heard. Anchor allows you to create, edit, and publish your podcast right from your smartphone or your computer. Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so you don't have to. It's everything you need to create a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M to get started. All right, folks, I have a good friend of mine, Joseph Williams. I grew up with this guy. I've known him my entire life. How you doing, Joseph? I'm, I'm doing better than I was. Yeah, I, I heard that you had a, a slight run-in with a, a particular virus. Yeah, um... I came down with the coronavirus, the COVID-19, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, caught it from somebody at my work, and it about kicked my butt for a while there. Well, uh, good that you survived. You are alive, I, at least I hope so. Otherwise, you're voting yeah. Democrat this year. I, I was one of the lucky 99%. 99.96%, in fact. Oh, yes. Thank can't, you for can't, me. can't forget those extra percentiles. So, so what was it like? What happened? Okay. Well, long story short, I, at first I didn't even know I had it. Um, we got a notice from work that somebody in one of our other stores had come down with coronavirus, and now they were uh, increasing uh, protocols and stuff like that at work. If anybody had a fever, headache, we uh, nausea, anything like that, we had to uh, report it to our supervisors. And, and where were you working? Where are you working? Uh, I work at AutoZone. I'm okay. manager there. All right. Go ahead. Continue. So I came into work. They asked me if I had any of those symptoms. At that point, I had already had a headache for about four days. I was actually had medicine up at my work, taking medicine for a headache. And, of course, I had a cough. But as being a smoker, you don't know if that cough is from cigarettes or from something else. I tell you, when I go into Walmart, every time, every time, it, it doesn't fail. I cough, everybody looks at me like I got leprosy. Oh, right. Uh, I, it was funny when all the stuff first started happening, going to the grocery store. <laughs> My favorite part of the day was going and just just getting that little bit of, little tickle out of your throat. Everybody looks mm-hmm. at you like you got the Rona. Right. All right. Uh, so... He asked if I had, uh, had any other symptoms. I said, yeah, I've, I've had a headache and I have a cough, but it's nothing major. Worked through my day. Next day, I got up, got ready for work. About to, I was probably about 20 minutes out from heading to work, and my stomach turned over. I couldn't hold anything down, started puking. Um, called my boss. He told me I have to take at least three days off to see if it gets worse. Next day rolls by, Sunday, and I start sprouting a fever. It started about 101 degrees when I woke up. Uh, it got worse. Monday came around. I went down and got tested. 
and had them stick that thing up your nose and swab it around. And it's, uh, the the giant Q-tip that, like, yes. like the Mr. Magoo go would go in your ear and out the other one. That thing. Right, except they stick it up one no uh, one nostril all the time, and they like swab the back of your <laughs> cavity. Wow. Um, after that, it just got progressively worse. Um, over the next three weeks, uh, I ran a, uh, close to a constant fever, about 104, uh, nausea, diarrhea, uh, severe pain, muscle pains, and exhaustion. I, I could barely move, uh, half the time. Um, I felt like I had bubbles in my lungs. And that was, it was more of an uncomfortable than painful feeling. Yeah, it was kind of just that annoyance. Yeah, it felt like I had a, if you ever drink, get a drink and you feel like you got a bubble in your throat. Yeah, yeah, I get that a lot. I drink now, fast and then you feel it. Yeah, now double that and put it in your lungs. Hmm. That's what it felt like. Every once in a while I felt like I had something caught in the base of my throat too. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, after a while, it, got, it started getting a little bit worse. Uh, my wife would make me take cold, uh, cold showers, a cold bath every uh, when it got really severe. Um, I was dehydrated. Uh, when I got up out of bed, when I was able, I felt like I had enough energy to get out of bed and try to go to the kitchen to get something to eat or something to drink. Just walking the 20 feet from my bedroom to the kitchen... I felt like I would collapse. Wow. Like, I severe, severe exhaustion. Just, you know, like, you just ran, like, five miles, and you're not used to running that. That's how I felt. Yeah, yeah, just just drained constantly. Yeah. And, of course, muscle pains. Muscle pains everywhere. It's like a, running at high altitude with a, uh, a breath restrictor on is what I felt like. Oof. And, and they specifically diagnosed you. Yeah. They they specifically said you have COVID nineteen. Now did did you have to quarantine from? Because I know you got you got kid and wife and all that. Did you quarantine from them altogether? Or did you just continue your daily routine just with them there? I tried my best to stay away from everybody. It wasn't like, a, oh, you're quarantined and stuck in a, a plastic room. No. So you weren't uh, like the boy in the bubble. You you, no. you still still were around your daughter. Your daughter's what nine? Uh, eight years. Eight old. eight fixing to be nine, right? And next year. Oh yeah, six months. That's right. Cause, eight months. Yeah, eight months. Yeah, because Ashlyn's was it was yesterday. Okay. Mm -hmm. So did did was there any any concern for her and and the wife? I was extremely concerned. Uh, I spent most of my time either in bed, away from everybody, or when, if I was out of bed, I was trying to stay like in the garage or away from where everyone usually hangs out. Yeah. Uh, during that time, my dad, uh, he works for the government. They found out that I, they got noticed uh, a notice that I had coronavirus. They made him uh, go get tested and quarantine until his results came back. And he came back negative. He came back negative. That's good. That's good. Um, so, so what? What? What was your regimen um, as far as 
you know, medications. Did you do any special medications or was it just I didn't normal? Take I took Tylenol every once in a while when the headaches got worse. That's it. No, no hydroxychloroquine. No crazy uh, Cialis or anything like that. Nope, I didn't take anything. Okay. Uh, they uh, they died, uh, they gave me some medicine for uh, my sinus. I had a severe sinus infection from that uh, that storm that blew through. Yeah. Uh, I had I caught a, a sinus infection the same time that I came down with coronavirus. So it was like double. It was just yeah. Horrible on all fronts. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was taking my, like, the, I had a five-day uh, regimen for that. But I wasn't allowed to take it at first because they, I felt like it would interfere with the uh, other sickness. Yeah. Yeah, there's always a concern for that, you know. Is yeah. it going to offset and all that good stuff? Because I was, uh, I had two symptoms. Uh, two things going on. I had a severe sinus infection and I also had a coronavirus, which both affect your respiratory system. Yeah. Uh, I mean, both are both are contingent upon the respiratory. Yeah. Um, so, how about how long was it from from start, from first symptom, if you will, to, to you were done completely over it, you felt back to normal? A uh, little around three weeks. Okay. I mean, that's a long time. That's a long it, time. It and it, and I know when you're when you're sick in general things just they seem like it takes a hundred years for a day. So <laughs> I, I understand that. Now. Yeah. Um I know I had I had walking pneumonia and bronchitis a couple years ago and um I mean I, I had it for like three and a half, four weeks and it felt like it felt like almost a year that I had this. It felt, every day I woke up and it felt like a week had passed and I was like, Oh, I'm dying, so I can only imagine what you know, the the COVID, the, this grand COVID is. Now, I know. Here's, here's the crazy thing about the coronavirus. Uh, at least one, uh, some of the symptoms I have. Uh, I had it because of my work. I had to go get retested mm-hmm. to uh, verify that I no longer had it. Um, they required me to go get retested. I had to get a clear uh, clearance from HR and stuff like that before I could even go back to work. The thing is, is half the symptoms from the coronavirus are still affecting me even though I don't have it anymore. See, that's what they say, that asymptomatic stuff. You you, you have the symptoms, but you don't have the symptoms. It's a lot of crazy medical... Yeah, it's half, like, half the symptoms I still have. Like, uh, my, my fever hasn't... I mean, it's gone. But in the so, defense, I mean, have you seen the list of symptoms? I mean, I think everybody's yeah. got something on the coronavirus. I mean, I have headaches constantly. I don't have the coronavirus. I mean, they, they, it's, it's almost it's almost as though the list of coronavirus symptoms is just everything. Like, are you do, do you walk do you walk and when you walk your leg pops? That's coronavirus. I mean, it it's just it's getting out of hand, really. And and I'm not trying to to detract from what you had going on because I know I know that's obviously a horrible thing to have to go through. You're actually the only person, with the exception of my wife, who I I'm about ninety nine point nine six. Keep that percentage in mind. Of sure, she had it back in February. Um, she got. She, she went to the doctor and had a whole bunch of symptoms, you know, the, the common flu symptoms, if you will. And they told her that she had a flu that they didn't know about yet. And 
and that basically it was just a, a stronger strain of the flu and and it turns out that that was the coronavirus that she had i'm almost positive of it but i don't you're the first person i know of other than her that has been diagnosed with it that actually says you know definitive a doctor told me i have it or had it uh with me uh, i don't have headaches like the nausea the diarrhea all that stuff i don't have that anymore i don't have the fever i have pressure on my lungs and my muscles still spasm every once in a while and feel like they're inflamed yeah well, <laughs> I know that they, they've been talking about, you know, with this vaccine that they're supposedly coming out with, that um, basically it's a, a three-month thing. I don't know if you've heard, you know, anything you keep, keep up with that kind of thing. Um, but it, to me, as a common person, if the vaccine only holds for three months, then wouldn't that stand to, to reason that you could get the, the, the coronavirus every three months? Well, you also got to understand where vaccines come from. Vaccines are usually weakened versions of the virus. Yeah, it's just so. like giving you the flu to fight the flu. Yeah, it's, uh, think about that old Osmosis Jones movie they had back in the day. Yeah. You got the flu shot, and it was like old shady flu virus. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. They, I think but they showed us that in health job. class. <laughs> yeah, but he couldn't do his job because of uh, because he was a, a vaccine. Yeah. So it's the same basis. They, they take the virus and they try to strip away all the negative parts about it and give it to you so your body actually creates the antibodies. The vaccine isn't what keeps you from getting sick. It's your body's reaction to the vaccine. Yeah, it kind of builds up that immunity to it. Yes. <laughs> if I cough, I do apologize, but I still do have a cough. Well, I have a cough too, but it's because I smoke about two and a half packs of cigarettes a day. So... Um, <laughs> I'm 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 naturally curious on on the the numbers that they've put out. Um, I know we were talking, and you said that the some of the symptoms you had only averaged in about what seventeen or fifteen yeah. percent. Um, the cases that were uh, from survivors. Now again, these cases are confirmed survivors that have symptoms as severe and the. The post symptomatic situations where they still have the uh, symptoms and stuff like that, even past uh, getting over the coronavirus or oh, COVID 19 or whatever you want to call it. Only about 17%, by what I was uh, researching, only about 17% of those cases were as severe or more severe than what I had. Other one, ones are like walking pneumonia, they have a cough, they have nausea, they have a headache, but it's not like bedridden yeah it's it's not not you you can't even stand up without falling over uh one of the uh, cases i was reading about the, uh, the person made the comment he said he felt like he was dying and i remember re when i was reading that i was like yeah it felt bad but i've had worse yeah like i went in with a birth pen that was on a I wouldn't say a whole different level, but, but a, a different two, different type of level. Above. Yeah, the, the pain I, felt I experienced from that time compared to what I experienced on the coronavirus is already bad enough. I can compare the two. Yeah, but it, like, but it's kind of like it's kind of like comparing football to basketball. They're they're both sports, no, but not even that. 
what I'm referring to is the pain itself, the the anguish I went through while sick. Okay. And I'm not I'm not talking like all the other stuff. Just the pain and the anguish I went through while being contracted with it. It's already bad enough that I can say yes, comparative to an app, uh, my appendix bursting, that is worse. Not uh, coronavirus is not as bad as that, but for the fact that I can even put those two in the same ball field should explain how bad I was feeling. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's kind of a given. I think everybody has. has come to the realization that it's it's a bad bad deal all around mm. i mean for for anybody to have to go through something that that painful sucks i mean n- in no way should anybody downplay the seriousness of contracting the 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 coronavirus what i'm more worried about is what what the true numbers are compared to what numbers they want you to hear. And that is if, if, if we had not had the coronavirus here right now, had this not happened, say rewind back to, to last March, you know, 2019 March, if you had had that, would they have labeled it as something else? You see what I'm saying? Like, would they have said, no, that's just the regular flu, or you've got, you know, bronchitis, or you've got, you know, walking pneumonia or double pneumonia or whatever? Are they just telling everybody that comes in with said symptoms, yep, it's the coronavirus, it's the coronavirus, it's the coronavirus? I'm going to let a story of what happened back in November. Now, this is a, a series of coincidences, no way, in no way, shape, or form, am I pointing my finger saying it's because of them, because of this, or because of this. Okay. If this sounds racist, I do apologize. Okay. Um, I just had to clear that up before I tell the story. Back in November, we had a, a family move in to our neighborhood. It was a Chinese couple, a little boy, and a little girl. The little girl's the same age as my daughter and went to the same school as her. First week of November, my daughter gets sick. Comes home from school, she gets sick, she's running a fever, coughing, phlegm, all the the works. Mm -hmm. It spreads to other people in the family. I I was one of the ones that didn't catch it. My wife caught it. Everyone else in the house caught it except for me. During that time, my dad went to the doctor. Uh, The doctor had told him at that point, we don't know what it is. It is not the flu virus. So so similar to my wife then. Yeah, but this was back in November. Um, They said they don't know what it is. It's not the flu virus. They put them on some antibiotics and stuff like that to try to combat it. But uh, everyone in the house was sick for at least two weeks. Um, Luckily, my daughter got over it extremely fast. And she was back to school not that long after. Um, My dad was telling me at that point that not just him, but like four other people in the shop he works in actually uh, all got the same thing he had at that point. 
looking back on it, we, we joke around. We say, yeah, that was probably the COVID. That was probably COVID. That was probably the coronavirus. We don't know if it is or not. Yeah. Well, they, they'd say that it's, it could have been around as early as September, October of, of last year. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's quite possible. It's, like I said, with, with my wife, it's very, very likely that it that's what she had, and they just didn't know it because it hadn't been prevalent here yet. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's, it's, in no, in no way have I, have I ever said that I don't believe that it's real. And, and I will never say I don't believe it's not real. Um, but I just, it seems to me that, that it's unlikely that it's nearly as dangerous as their, the, the news will tell you it is. And that's kind of what I've been talking about over the last couple of weeks is, you know, they, they talk about, well, you need to wear a mask. But three months ago, you didn't need to wear a mask, and and you you should social distance and wear masks when you're outside. But if you're protesting and rioting and looting, it's okay because COVID knows the difference and it knows not to to jump from person to person. Then it's cognitive thinking, um, and so I kind of just wanted to get your your ideas on that. Uh, what do you think the the serious level of it is? Do you think it's you know just kind of something that you should just be careful for and and kind of try and prepare for or do you think it's are you one of the the you should wear a mask all the time and and douse yourself in purell okay first off i couldn't handle dousing myself in purell to save my life <laughs> imagine that getting up in your nose and your sinus is just uh, i i'm horrible. i'm more of getting it in the private area than I am in the nose and the and the mouth because I would I've been pepper sprayed and it ran down into my private area and that was bad enough I don't want pure alcohol hand sanitizer down there so <laughs> that's what I'm more concerned with but I've noticed that it, this is the first time in in quite a while that there's been a, a down the middle divide between the people that think we should wear masks and cover your face constantly and and walk around like arabs and people that think it's not that serious you should just not kiss each other on the mouth and try not to cough in my face so i i I try and see where everybody lies with that yeah well today she heard some interesting things from a doctor that came in to my store we were we were actually talking about talking about what i went through with him and he actually made a comment about the mask. Mm-hmm. He said the standard mask that we wear today, unless you actually have like your filter in it and like a yeah, like the mask. really expensive, the the what is it CR nines or something like that. Yeah, actually, I just I just bought some of those for my daughter today, so for her to go back to school. Yeah. But uh, he said if you're just wearing the standard mask that you can buy at the grocery store or whatever. He said uh, they only block like 1.72 micron particle size. Yeah. And the COVID, uh, the coronavirus, he said was one uh, was 0.28 microns. Which size. is much smaller. Much much smaller. He said those these masks, the paper masks and stuff like that, they don't work. From what I can tell, can go right it. is really these these paper masks that everybody gives you. And I just went uh, to GameStop 
the other day and bought a bunch of games and a Nintendo Switch for my daughter for her birthday. And they they gave me a mask because they mandated masks inside their business, which is fine. That's their you know their regulations. And they gave me the little the little piece of crap thing that you you just stick in front of your mouth. And they say that really those contribute more to you getting sick than to you stopping from other people from getting sick because you you breathe in your CO2, which is, I mean, anybody who's passed a a junior high biology class knows that breathing in your own CO, or any CO2, but your own CO2 is just as harmful as breathing in somebody else's bacteria. I'm not a medical uh, professional, so... Yeah, let's go ahead and say that. Neither one of us are medical professionals. Don't take our medical advice. If you want to wear a mask, wear the daggone mask. Exactly. Continue. Uh, I will say this, though. When I contracted uh, the coronavirus, COVID-19, Wuhan virus, whatever you want to call it, um, when I contracted that, we actually already had a mandate at my work for several weeks at that point where we had to wear a mask and gloves every day. We were on premises, we had to wear a mask, and we had to wear gloves. But I still contracted it. Now, did you wear just the paper paper thing? Yes, the, it was the paper just, mask that yeah. required. It was actually after I got sick and I was home, and I was having to do a virtual visit with my doctor because my doctor wouldn't even allow me in their office. Um... I was uh, doing a virtual visit, and they told me I needed to go, I needed to uh, procure an actual mask that I can actually fit and replace the filters inside of it. Yeah. And that's actually what I wear now when I'm at work also. Yeah, see, I bought, I bought, and it was against my better judgment, because I'm, I'm firmly against the whole mask thing. I think that wearing a mask does not protect you because 90% of the people wearing masks don't wear them properly. They're wearing the the shady masks that like you said don't don't really protect you from much of anything. But I I went and got one um for for purely and it's still in a box. Purely for if they ever made it a federal mandate that says, you know, if I walk out of my house I have to have it covered. Um but they say that the little cloth ones, you know, like the little stretchy ones that you put up over your neck and your, your face, those are the the better of, of the cheaper ones because at least that blocks more than the little paper thing that, you know, really is nothing but a, a, a virtue signal that you are better than me because you have one on. Yeah, it looks like you have a coffee filter stuck to your face. Yeah. But, <laughs> okay, look at it this way. Uh, China, Japan, all those countries over there, uh, they have had very regularly in their culture to wear facial masks because of smog in the air, viruses, how close proximity they are to people. But even with them already regularly in their society... They still had a bunch of deaths. They still had a massive outbreak yeah on top of that looking at the perspective of wearing a mask being mandated to wear a mask like uh, what joe biden said where he said if i become president i'm going to mandate that every person has to uh, is required to wear a mask before they, if they leave their house um 
looking at it from uh, from one perspective, it's the same perspective as when we drive a vehicle, we are required by law to buckle in. Yeah. At first, it wasn't. And then what society did is they started teaching their children to shame their parents. Yeah. Uh, parent shaming. Oh, mom, dad, you need to put your seatbelt on. And over time, that became the norm. And once it became the norm, bam, a law was enacted. Yeah. If you were driving... And, vehicle, and really, it's kind of exactly the same because it, my question, my biggest question, and I've asked a hundred of the the pro-mask people the same question, and I've never gotten an answer other than you're a racist, um, is if... Partially your approach, but... Yeah, probably. I mean, honest, let's, let's be honest here. I, I'm an a-hole, and I, I own it. But my question is, is every time, if masks work, okay, if masks keep you from contracting the virus, and it keeps you from giving the virus... And you have a mask on, and me and you are face to face. Who's at more risk to contract that virus? I would be because I don't have the mask. You have a mask, so if I'm breathing on your face, you're gonna stop it because your mask works. Unless your mask is some magical one-way mirror that only allows what's coming out to stop and not what's coming in to stop. Then if you have a mask, why should you care if I have a mask? Because you're safe. And anybody who wants to be safe or does you know, wants to be wants to be the mask can have the mask and the people that don't want to are the only ones that are gonna get sick. And then it's our fault, right? Well, let's roll it back a little bit. Well, one, they believe that if you contract coronavirus, you can pass it on to other people. So you're not just protecting yourself, you're up protecting other people. But let's roll it back a little bit. Not even including the other people, just you and the individual that have it. Okay? Yeah. Say you are the only two people in town and you just came face to face. You don't want to wear a mask, they are wearing a mask. Right. Or you want uh, to wear a mask, they don't want to wear a mask, whatever. Now let's swap the uh, positioning for a second. It's no longer about coronavirus, but it's about wearing a seatbelt. You, you don't like wearing seatbelts, I do. Yep. Okay. Now, we are driving down a road, middle of the night. Uh, for some reason, we like driving without our headlights on. Exactly. We run into each other. Now, me wearing my seatbelt, I have a higher chance, uh, probability of surviving the crash. Exactly. Mr. Uh, Jonathan uh, Ray Mi- here. Mr. I don't, I don't care about my own safety. Exactly. You're not wearing a seatbelt. You still you have a high probability of being launched out of your car and going for a nice fly before you come to a sudden... Heck, yeah, that's that's what I like doing right there, just self-propellant. So, with that perspective, it was a very, very long and drawn-out argument that we still hear to this day. My life is my life. It is in my hands. I should be able to dictate if I, uh, how I live and if I live. Because why? Because I am free. Now... I'm not, uh, I'm not trying to be an advocate, I'm not trying to play any of that stuff. I'm just looking at it from that perspective, comparing that situation to what we have today. Mm-hmm. That was a very common argument when they first tried to start, they first started pushing the seatbelt laws. Yeah. Why do I have to wear a seatbelt? It's my, it's my choice if I want to wear one or not. Exactly. It's my body. 
Let's go with the it's my uh, my my body, my choice. <laughs> the, hey, I have been using that ever since this mask thing started. That is my response to everybody who asks me, "Do you want to wear a mask?" Hashtag my body, my choice. They've been able to use that to destroy generations of babies. I can do it to not have to wear a mask. Now I'm going to play devil's advocate for just one second for you because you said you've been asking a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But you haven't been getting the proper answer. So I will try to give you an answer as best as I can. And now I'm, I try my best to look at the situation from a non-biased point of view. Mm-hmm. I might not agree with everything. I, I, I do the fact that we are a free country. We're supposed to be a free country. So we should be able to choose what we do, how we do it. If I want to quarantine at the lake for two weeks, because I have coronavirus, and I know there's not going to be anybody at my fishing spot for two weeks. That's your right. That's your right. That should be my right. But I didn't get that choice. Yeah. Because I was informed that I had to stay in my house, in my domain, around my family, Mm -hmm. per se, and give a higher probability of them catching it. Of of your eight-year-old child catching it. Yeah, exactly. Then actually truly quarantine myself because of the fact that I would be in nature by the lake fishing. But that's neither here nor there. Um, what their perspective is looking at it is you're more likely, uh, they believe that with the mask on, you can uh, defend yourself. You let's ignore everything else about cheap masks, expensive masks, and let's assume everybody is walking around with R- R-rated respirator- uh, respirators. Yeah. The good stuff. We're talking big industrial, big the the, the expensive good stuff that that Everybody it actually takes. Yes. Let's imagine everybody is walking around with, with that. Then yes, it's gonna protect you. And they're not they're not worried about protecting you per se. Again They're wanting to protect like, themselves. Not not even themselves. They're trying to keep you from being a nuisance. The same perspective First, let's go back to driving a car without a seatbelt. Driving a car without a seatbelt might not endanger other people around you. But now let's put a bottle of alcohol on your hand. That's the coronavirus. Okay. The mask is a seatbelt. The coronavirus is the uh, the alcohol. A drunk driver, we all can agree, is a danger risk. Correct? To to himself, yes. And to other people if he's driving down the road. But if you're wearing a seatbelt, you're protected. Let's, or at least as much even, as you can be. Well, let's not even worry about that at the point. We're talking about a drunk driver is a danger risk, correct? I mean, yes. Okay. So, with that perspective, somebody with the coronavirus has a higher probability of passing that coronavirus off to somebody else if he's not wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. And so, what they're looking at as, well, you're not wearing a mask, you have a higher probability of catching the coronavirus catch a coronavirus, that gives you the probability of passing it to somebody else, which passes on the virus more and more and more. Even though more people die of the flu, influenza, or whatever, every year than they have died from the coronavirus, what they're trying to do is not cure it, they're trying to contain it. Okay, but <clears throat> that still, it all boils down to they just want to tell people what to do, because take the same scenario, drunk driver, driving down the highway, doesn't have his lights on. He's an idiot. He's driving, going the wrong way down a one way. He's, you know, got his pants down. He's touching himself, smoking a cigarette, doing his makeup because he's a he's a, a LGBTQ guy, 
And if he hits somebody and they have their seatbelt on, they did everything that they were supposed to do, they have a higher probability of living. So it still boils down to had he had his seatbelt on and got the coronavirus and was drinking alcohol, he still it was still going to be a problem. So you can't stop people from getting the coronavirus. It's going to happen. Just like with you, you had the mask and you still got it. So if if the people that don't want to get it have the mask, the, the sub-zero doctor recommended masks, they are going to have a 99.96% chance that they're not going to get the coronavirus, even if I have it and I'm walking around coughing all over God's green earth. Because they wore a seatbelt, I didn't. So it boils down to, they just want to tell people what to do. Yeah, but you also got to realize, we're talking about a 99.9%, uh, 96% chance, right? Yes. That means there's a 0.04% chance. It's, uh, what's that, 1 one hundred of 1%. So let's break it down, what, 1 ten thousand of a percent? Yeah. All right, 1 in 10,000, uh, Perspective. Uh, or, yeah, anyway, I know my math is probably wrong. But, it, it's a really low probability. When you look at it from a number perspective of one in one person, now let's blow this number one in 10,000. How many people live in Oklahoma? Um, I, I know there's about 3 million in Tulsa, probably about. Five million in Oklahoma City. Added all the little small towns. We'll just round it up to about ten mil. All right, ten million people. <laughs> so one person every ten thousand people. We'll just—I know the numbers are wrong, but we'll just run with them. Yeah. One person every ten thousand people. That every hundred thousand people, that's ten people. Every million people, that's a hundred people. So we are already at a thousand people in just Oklahoma mm-hmm. that have caught it. Now, with them catching it, now we got the probability of it being spread further and further and further. Now, like I was saying to you earlier when we were uh, messaging back and forth on the phone before we got into the conversation, I personally believe the coronavirus has already broken into different strains. Because some people they catch, they have light symptoms. Some people they catch. They well, they've and they've already they've already talked about that. That you have a mild symptoms, you got a major symptoms, you got some symptoms that give you the limp D. They they got all kinds of of sidebars that they have. Uh, what let's take somebody with uh, respiratory issues or somebody that has underlying issues that they might not even be uh, aware of. Because, I mean, we live in the real world. Not everybody goes to their doctor. Yeah, I mean, I haven't been to the actual doctor. And, well, I cut my hand open. I went to the doctor for that. But they didn't check any respiratory things on me. When was the last, uh, you're, you're uh, 32 now, or you're going to be 32 pretty soon? Yeah. When was the last time you had an actual checkup? Oh, uh, high school? Exactly. Right after high school, so, when I went into the Navy? <laughs> let's, let's play this as, from a perspective of somebody real. We're not in an ideal world. So, those 1,000 people are going to spread they're going to be catching on to other people. There's going to be people out there that don't understand they have respiratory issues. They don't understand they have underlying medical issues because they haven't gone to the doctor in 10 years. Uh, they haven't got a checkup in 10 years. They don't understand if, if they've got symptoms of things. 
they get this virus, this virus is going to compound on top of what they already have. They might not survive. It's not about protecting everybody. It's about protecting that one of that one one hundredth of a percent that they don't have a choice. Now, when we blow that up into say we got a thousand people in Oklahoma because there's ten million people, now let's blow it up to nationwide. Three hundred ninety-eight million people in the nation. Okay. But at the same time, they did have a choice. They they were given the choice, wear a mask. But the mask don't work, I thought. Exactly, that's my point. That that's where this whole thing is is circling around is if the masks work like they say they work, then the only people that are susceptible to it are the ones willingly making the choice not to wear a mask. If masks don't work, then everybody wearing a mask wouldn't fix the problem anyway. So, why are we still discussing it? Oh, I was just playing devil's No, 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 no. I'm, I'm saying as a nation, why are we still discussing it? If, if the masks work, then everybody openly makes a decision, I'm going to either wear a mask or I'm not. If you, if you make the decision you're not going to wear a mask, then you are taking the, the necessary risks that you're allotted as an adult American citizen... To not wear a mask just as you're taking the decision to not buckle up. Just like you're making the decision to smoke cigarettes. You know why I think, personally why I think they are stressing the mask so much. And I know this is going to jump a little bit on the subject. But you, you I believe right now the mask is like a molehill. The coronavirus, this is a molehill we are looking at. We're focusing on it. You know, the old saying, you're making a mountain out of a molehill. Yeah. Well... America is our home, but everyone's focusing so much on this mask, we don't realize our home is burning down behind us. Oh, it is. It's, it, th- I've been saying it for a very long time, ever since this mask debate started, is that the mask is a political symbol. Mm-hmm. It is a political symbol. The people that choose to wear it, that stand by that, that hill that they want to die on, that the mask is, is pertinent for everybody to live. If you don't wear a mask, you're killing grandma. And they use that to virtual signal that they are they care more than the ones that don't. And I I've I've been saying it since since about March when it started, when the first, you know, plane landed or whatever it was that came over here and brought it over here. I've been saying this will end in November. This will not be a thing come come November. I don't think this is going to be a thing. I think that either one of two things is going to happen. Either A, Joe Biden is somehow going to pull out a victory and become president. He'll be the first dementia-ridden president in history. And they are not going to care about the corona anymore because they've taken over the White House. They've kicked out Donald Trump, who they seem to hate for whatever odd reason. And we will go back to everything being hunky-dory and they will strip away our rights one by one and we will become a socialist republican i don't even know marxist country that'll probably sell out to russia or china or donald trump is going to win and they're going to drop the coronavirus because they're going to start attacking him with everything that they possibly can to impeach him again and try and get him out of office. Yeah, 
interesting thing he said talking about Joe Biden winning and he'll be the first initial uh, president, right? Yeah. You know, look at who he uh, chose for his uh, his uh, potential vice president. Oh yeah. Uh, most likely, I was actually re- uh, talking to. She'll uh, be president. I was talking to my father uh, earlier, actually today, and we were actually talking about if Biden won. He said he gave me a scenario. He said if Joe Biden wins within the first three months, they're going to deem they'll, they'll deem him unfit, not, not fit mm-hmm. to be president, and she is going to take over the presidency. Yeah, that's he, exactly what will happen. Because quote unquote, his words, not mine. She is a uh, she is a radical in what she believes. So he was actually extremely nervous <laughs> about that. I think everybody should be nervous. Whether you're left, right, center, moderate, radical left, far right, you should be very nervous, I think, personally, because this is, A, a man who everybody can see is, is completely unfit. It is almost elderly abuse to have this man out campaigning or staying at home campaigning because that's what he's been doing but it's almost elderly abuse in my opinion it's it, it i liken the way they treat him puppeteering him around to um and i i i'm pretty sure you've seen the movie happy gilmore you know when he puts his when his grandma goes into the to the nursing home and you have ben stiller and she's like, my fingers hurt. And he goes, well, now your back's going to hurt because you just pulled landscaping duty. I liken the way they treat Joe Biden having him campaign to that scenario. They are utilizing him, puppeteering him around. And if he wins for some weird reason, he wins. They will deem him unfit. Kamala Harris will take over as president. And that is the, the, the quickest way for... The Democrats to get a the first woman and the first black woman all in one felt swoop as president of the United States, and that's what I think they're running with. I think that's why she was picked. I think that's he didn't pick her. I don't think. I think he was just as shocked as we all were with that pick. I think it was more the DNC that chose her. Also. I just gotta say this real, little clip real quick. I know it's completely off subject, but I feel like we should name this uh, this episode, in my opinion, because of how many times we said it. What What should we name it? In my opinion. Yeah, you know what? That's what's gonna be. <laughs> Title of this episode: The Johnny Ray Show. In my opinion. Because we have said that. Well, you, you almost have to say that now when talking about anything political. You have to say, in my opinion, because otherwise then they try and say, well, you're claiming that you're a um, professional and that you're you're stating a fact. I'm not stating a fact. I'm stating my opinion. The This is my opinion. I think that Joe Biden is a nut job. I've, I've said it for the last couple of weeks on my show. I've said it for the last six months since he started running. He's a nut job. He's crazy. He's made more gaffes than I could count. I, I just just this last week he he basically said all black people are the same. That's really weird. That's kind of racist. And I think that people should start holding him accountable for that. Well, he was one of the runner. Uh, he was 
was one of the four uh, front runners when the, he said, uh, was it back when he was uh, back in his earlier career? He was one of the front runners. I don't want black people in my neighborhood. And stuff like that. Yeah, he I said, I don't want my kids to go to a yeah. uh, integrated school. It's a jungle. The, the, it's a racial jungle. That's what he called it. And then just just a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month ago now, he said, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. I mean, that's I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine if Donald Trump or any conservative Republican on the right side made a comment like that if you if you don't vote for me you ain't black what i love i hate i hate saying it but i do love it when you're looking at it from a perspective of not being involved even though i know my life and my society is involved in the situation look at the manipulative game the democratic party has played over the past 150 Oh yeah, they've they manipulated the crap out of out of the black community. The, the Democratic Party was predominantly slave owners back mm-hmm. during the Civil War. It was the Republican uh, Republic Party that actually pushed for the Civil War to actually free uh, the emancipation process. Yep. Uh, during uh, the "I Have a Dream" and all that stuff, the Democratic Party was the one fighting against it. Yep. It was the Democrat. Uh, it was the Republican Party trying to support it. Then the Democratic Party changed their face, quote unquote, to "We are the party for the poor person." Mm-hmm. And now we've come to the point where they completely wiped—I hate saying it—but they've whitewashed their face. Yep. Over the past hundred years, saying, "Oh no, we are the only party that supports it, and it's the Republican Party that is completely against it, it's racist, yada yada yada." Which literally, the Democratic Party was built on racism. On slavery. I mean, if you look back at the South when they seceded from the North, it was the Democrats that were in charge down there. It wasn't it Republicans weren't even weren't even there. There was no Republican Party. The Republican Party was created to oppose the well, the, the Democrats. Well, yeah, but I'm saying like the 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 true the actual Republican Party, the the name of the Republicans versus the Democrats. That yeah, that that happened in the Civil War. Yeah, that happened with Abe Lincoln and the ones who were fighting against the South to emancipate. I hear a lot of people, and I and I we've strayed quite a bit off, but I'm okay with that. I've had a lot of people tell me that the 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 Dixie flag, the 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 Confederate flag is it's built on racism. It's a a symbol of racism and it's it's racist in general. And it it's funny to me that the they say the Civil War was was fought for slaves. They wanted to keep slaves. Anybody who's passed a history class longer than 10 years ago will know that that's not true almost at all. That, yes, slavery was involved, obviously, because they had slaves. 
But it wasn't just slavery. They didn't want to be told what to do. They didn't want to be told what they could and couldn't have as property. They didn't want to be told what they could and couldn't produce as far as goods and products go. It was There was a fraction that was based on slavery and a lot more based on other things that didn't have anything to do with slavery. Okay, this is the way I look at it. The Confederate flag was they seceded from the Union so they needed their own symbol. The symbol, the, they seceded from the Union not just because of slaves. There was a whole bunch of... Yeah, there was a whole list of things that the reasons that they seceded. Yeah, but Abraham Lincoln used the slaves as, as the Emancipation of Proclamation for the war. Yeah. So you can rejoin the country. Now, they say, oh, it's a symbol of racism. The other, no, you want to see a symbol of racism, look at Rome. Mm-hmm. Rome itself, literally, they had a thing. You're either a Roman or you're a barbarian. Yep. If that is a racism, I don't know what is. They literally had laws... That you yeah. could not come there unless you said, I'm now a Roman. A Roman could not be whipped. Yeah. Any other, uh, but a Roman could whip anybody. Yep. But, yeah. It, there was, like, well, it's so crazy that everybody has said, you know, they, they use America as the foundation of slavery. When that's the furthest from the truth because yes america when we started had slaves and here's my thing i i can differentiate between legally correct and morally incorrect a lot of people you, lack that do you know what would have happened to half those slave ships if, uh, if the slaves were not purchased when they came to america they'd, they'd have been destroyed they'd have been sunk they would have been killed they'd have been uh, sunk yeah, to yeah. the bottom of the oceans and they would have gone back, picked up another load, and brought it back over here. Yep. Though, the, we did not start, slavery didn't start in, with, with America being founded. It, it, it didn't happen that way. It didn't even happen with Christopher Columbus. They had slaves as far back as Julius Caesar and, and Egypt. Yeah, I mean, that was, that was the basis of half the Bible. Yeah, that I means there's a big old section of the Bible is all about slavery. Anyway. Yeah, and that was a long time ago, way before. That was that was that was called BC. <laughs> that was that was before, before where we are now. You see, and and I find it funny that people will say, you know, slavery started with America. No, we didn't start slavery. We ended it here. We ended it. There is not one slave still today. I mean. Other than the the anecdotal, uh, everybody that works is a slave. You know what I'm saying? I, I kind of go with that assumption that if you're working, chances are you're you're a slave. You're just getting paid. But as far as the whipping post slave, the the slave that gets killed if they can can read, those slaves are no longer existent. They haven't been for close to 200 years now. So anybody who thinks that slavery still exists in America is out of their mind because it's not. Nobody is, nobody is being told that they have to go do something or they're going to get killed. Nobody has been told, and I don't believe so anyway, in the last 200 years that if you can read that sign, I'm going to kill you because I don't want anybody that can read because then they can 
you know, overtake me. No, nobody is saying that. Nobody has legally been told that. Exactly. Let's reword that because I mean, I'm pretty sure there are people being told that. There's all kinds of people like BDSM players. Yeah, there there are some crazy there are some crazies out there. Uh, we'll, we'll yeah. Yeah, we could talk about that on another episode, one that's after dark. Uh, but it, it's it's crazy because these people, the 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 BLM and the Antifas and the the far lefts, as I call them, those people are saying that they're fighting for the injustice of black people here in America today. Why not go to places where slavery is actually happening right now? South Africa, North Africa, the Middle East. In the Middle East, they still throw homosexuals off of the roof of buildings. Well, that's because it would actually take an effort. Here, they, they have complete and total uh, authority to be able to speak whatever they want, however they want, and make every, uh, every imagine, imaginative scenario and situation that they desire. And it's been proven because they can go out... And flip over cop cars and set them on fire and loot the footlocker for the Jordans and the, the Prada purses and the Gucci belts and get away with it. And they say it's all in the name of justice for putting insert black person that got killed here and 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 nobody does anything about it. It was all in the name of justice. They broke out the windows of a charity foundation that literally gave food and clothing to the poor for people that can't afford to dress nice when they go to an interview, but it was all in the name of just they broke out those windows and <laughs> sacked that place. Yeah. Yes. Well, you stuff. know what they say. You know what they say. There's no better way to get over the death of somebody than to steal a 75-inch TV. I mean, hey. That would make me feel a lot better. Especially over somebody I don't even know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, even worse, somebody I don't know that was a pretty horrible scumbag of a person. I mean, it... I, I can't say that. I don't know the individual. I don't know anything about it. I have... I, I try to avoid that because, again, uh, the reason why I have that perspective is because if he hadn't been killed, it would have been no sweat off my life. Exactly. But, yeah, I will ask you a... Killed. I will ask you a question, though. Okay. So, completely unrelated scenario. Okay. Say a guy down the street you don't know. Say he goes into a girl's house that you don't know. Right? She's pregnant. He breaks her door in, puts a, a gun to her stomach, and says, Do you want your unborn baby to die? While four of his friends ransack her house... And he smacks her in the face four times with said pistol. Do you think that's a good guy? No. No, okay. I just wanted to make sure. Because that's what George Floyd did. Well, like this. I try to avoid that situation because I didn't know. Anyway, and I just like to give the facts out. Do with it what you will. But anyway, the, the fact is is that it's, it's getting out of control... The entire scenario, the Black Lives Matter, the Antifa, the the far left are getting crazier as the day goes on. And me as of this moment is I, I think it was last week. I 
could be wrong on this. Don't quote me on that. Uh, North Carolina, there was a little boy riding his bicycle in his front yard. Can- Cannon Hinton. And was uh, point blank shot in the head by a guy. Yes. And was, I think it took cops two or three days to find him. And everything, almost everything about, uh, about that situation, uh, from the newsletters, everything about it, has been ghosted. No, nothing yeah. is heard. There is no outcry. There is no injustice. A five-year-old boy was shot point blank by a guy. I hate to it, but it was a black guy. Well, and, and in today's society... We have been we have been uh, trained that you have to induce race into everything. I I purposely on on last week's uh, episode I talked about it. I purposely didn't say color, any race or color for the for while describing the scenario, simply because it shouldn't matter the person's race, the victim or the the perpetrator but in today's society it's almost like it has to be because if it's a black victim and a white perpetrator it supports the narrative that white people are all racist that we're all running around gun toting crazies looking for black people to kill if it's a white victim and a black perpetrator it's against their narrative so they don't want to talk about it the way I look at it is if uh, I, I'm a manager at a store that a lot of people, apparently a lot of people like to break in and rob and stuff like that. Uh, we have these pieces of paper underneath our registers that if we get robbed, we're supposed to grab one of those pieces of paper while that individual's image is still fresh in our head and fill it out. Mm-hmm. And it has a list of, uh, of information, sex, race, color of the skin. Uh, it has... Uh, a silhouette of a person and we're supposed to fill it out. It's like a check mark if it has a hat on or a jacket or clothes, what, sh- what color was the shirt, what kind of pants they were wearing, yeah. something like that. Well, on the side, when it, uh, on the questions that ask you, it has race, male or female. It has, uh, or it has sex, male or female. It has race and it has, uh, it has skin, uh, skin tone, which is white, uh, tan, dark tan, ash, black, and like it, it goes through like multiple colors. Now, if race or color or something like that, when you're describing a scenario, if we're not supposed to mention it, why are they used in that situation? Well, it's racist for me to be able to say that a black person or a white person or a yellow person or a Martian from from Mars or whatever. Yeah, I had a green person come in and rob me at gunpoint. Or, yeah, it's, it's racist. Uh, whoa, 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 whoa. Here's the thing. It's getting out of hand. Yeah, I'm I'm more concerned with the sex, because that would inquire that I would have to ask them while robbing me what they identify as. That is the more concerning question. Is uh, if you say it's a female it's like that robs you, maybe they identify as a male. You don't know. Some of those people you can't come in the, uh, that store. You can't tell if they're female or male. Exactly. <laughs> they. I mean, but, their physical characteristics already make it difficult. Let alone what they identify as. Yeah. I'm waiting personally. I'm waiting for the time when you could start age identifying. 
because that's what I want to do. I'd like to identify as a 65-year-old that gets Social Security now. Hey, if you, uh, just identify it there when you go to those uh, senior uh, mills. Yeah. you. Uh, my dad just moved into a senior living house, li- senior living apartment complex. And, I mean, he pays like $400 a month. And he's got a nice little house, little, little apartment going on. I, I want to identify as a 65-year-old so I can get cheap rent. It's cool because all of this stuff is stuff that I normally would talk about on my show. So this just kind of fills in all the little the little uh, sections. All right. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and let you go. Uh, is there any last thing you'd like to get off your chest? Any any well, last comments? One, there is one something that actually falls back to what we were originally talking about with coronavirus. I okay. My experience. Okay. Um, we've talked a, uh, a lot over messenger, uh, messaging back and forth about uh, unemployment, how people, essential workers, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Treat. Yeah. Now, I have first-hand experience. The company I worked for, uh, they were supposed to have a two-week bereavement if anybody had this coronavirus. They were supposed to be uh, given two weeks paid, uh, paid leave. Yeah. To uh, recover from that originally. Well, when I went to go apply for it, they told me I did not qualify for it because of uh, the time that I started. Even though I, I started working there before all this stuff hit, apparently the time I started was not within their period of time. By one day. Oh, wow. By one day, I did not qualify for that reason. That sounds like they just made that up. I'm just going to throw that out there. Um, I, I thought the same thing. Now, looking back on it, it's kind of interesting. So, for a little bit over a month, I had to sit at my house, recovering from COVID, uh, COVID-19 coronavirus, whatever you want to call it, with no pain, no no help, no, no, no benefits. If I was the only breadwinner of my family, you'd have been screwed. We would have not been able to pay our rent. Mm-hmm. We our phones would have been turned off. Our electricity would have been turned off. Everything would have been turned off because I caught the coronavirus. Now, with that being said, I do feel like our nation, either our nation, because they're being so strict on this, they can't forget about the people like what I was doing, where I'm, I'm in a situation where I'm exposed to these people every day, and I end up catching it because I'm exposed to these mm-hmm. people every day. And the company I worked for just said, oh, have fun. I know you caught it because of us, but have fun. And that, and that really is a ridiculous, uh, you know, scenario to have to go through. And and I completely agree. I think that the essential, quote-unquote, essential workers should have gotten some sort of compensation should have gotten more than what they got i i completely agree with that my wife got a two a two dollar raise at her work but they've already re- uh, taken that away um me personally i didn't get anything see me i'm on the opposite end of that spectrum so i can i can argue on my my end because i've i've had a lot of people on like my Facebook and my Twitter that are arguing for that, you know, people that 
essential, quote-unquote, essential workers should have gotten more money than the people that got unemployment. And I agree. I think essential workers should have gotten something, should have gotten help. But at the same time, I can tell you from my personal anecdotal experience that I would have switched positions with any essential worker to this day to still be making money and getting out and going to work. Simply because, for me, I was working at the insurance company. I won't say their name so they can't sue me for slander. But I was working at the insurance company and they laid me off. Said, it, it, this is a temporary layoff until business kicks back up and all this stuff goes, gets out of the way. I said, okay. They laid me off. I finished my last shift and I was renting a house from the owner. I went home. I, I went and, and did my thing, filed for the unemployment. It took me seven weeks before I got my first unemployment check. So for seven weeks, I didn't have anything. I had to live off of my last paycheck, which was only a, ha a half a paycheck because she laid me off a week before she said she was going to lay me off. And two days after my last shift, she called me in and said, hey, I need you to come in, bring the keys and all that stuff. So I came in, gave her the keys. She told me she's selling the house and that I have 30 days to move out. Oh, fun. Yeah, so not only did I get laid off, I didn't get my unemployment yet, and then I had to turn around and find a place in 30 days to move and get moved. I thought there was a situation going on, like laws, or, uh, bylaws and stuff like that were being, that <laughs> time that were being passed that were supposed to protect people from that. This was while they were putting those laws out, while oh, okay. while he was ta while Trump was talking about putting the the freeze on evicting, mm -hmm. is when she did it, and I think that she knew what she was doing. I think she never intended to bring me back. I think she called it a layoff because she wanted to get the the stimulus that the small businesses got. And one of the, the catch points on that was that you couldn't fire anybody. You, you could only lay them off. So I think she knew what she was doing. And it, I, I, had to, I had life insurance that my mother had had on me from when before she died that we had been paying on for all this time. And I had to go and cash that out just to have the money to be able to move. I'll never get that back. That's I'll never I'll never be able to get back what I had accrued into that ever again because I got laid off and had to use that just so that I could find a place and move and I had to move to a place that I really didn't want to move to to begin with but it was the only available option on such short notice. So when people and then like I said it took 7 weeks before I got my first check from unemployment. Seven weeks. I don't know anybody other than people that have savings and, you know, the higher middle class people that could go seven weeks without one dime 
I didn't get one dime for seven weeks. So when people tell me, well, I you shouldn't get extra money because you're you're not going to work. You're absolutely right. I'm not going to work. But I didn't choose to get laid off and I didn't choose to get evicted out of my home. I didn't choose any of this. So while, yes, quote unquote, essential workers should have gotten more and should still get more because they are out there being exposed to it. You can't knock the people that didn't choose to get laid off. You, you have to understand that we, if we could, I've been putting out resumes. I mean, I'm talking 10, 15 applications a day trying to get a, a job to hire me without going backwards, obviously. I mean, I could obviously go to fast food and make $7 an hour, and what's that going to do for me? Nothing, because I can't even pay my rent on $7 an hour. I can get you a job tomorrow if you were in the neighborhood. See, if I was there, that's the only downfall. <laughs> but <laughs> it, it's, it, it's a crappy thing all around. And what befuddles me is how people can can blame one person and it's crazy that they could say this is all Donald Trump's fault okay blaming Donald Trump for this situation I'm gonna say something it's gonna piss people off that's what we do here alright blaming Donald Trump for the situation is the exact same thing people did during the Great Depression when they blamed President Hoover the depression it is not the president's fault no matter what the situation is it is not the president's fault he is just the tip uh, economic crises stuff like that do not fall on the president it falls on the house it falls on the senate it falls on everything yeah it falls on it's everybody piece of the puzzle that's like blaming president hoover for the great depression no that's not how it works I mean, that's kind of like blaming Roosevelt for Pearl Harbor. Exactly. Yeah. I understand the front man. The, the, uh, when he's the happens, face. Who do you blame? Who do you blame? You blame the boss. Well, he's the boss of the uh, country right now, so yeah, he's the face. He's the one that gets smacked. Gets but it's, it shows ignorance, and it terrifies me. It, it's really scary to see... How so? How how polarized the country has gotten in the last, even even before Trump. Everybody says, "Oh, it it's Trump, it's Trump." We were polarized with Obama. I mean, that's that's a fact. I mean, we got we we were polarized with with George W. Bush. It just wasn't as publicized as it is now. It's the country has has split in half, and it that's that's what scares me is which half is gonna get the upper hand in a couple of months. We are at the brink of war right now. At the end of the day, we are at the brink of war. Yep. If it happens, if it doesn't happen, it's not gonna take much. No, I think. I think November is going to, and I've been saying it for a couple of months now, I think November is going to be the tipping point one way or the other. And I think it's, I think 
what happens in November is going to dictate which which way the the plate tips off the table. And I'm just going to throw this out there for whoever's going to be listening to this, whoever's going to hear it. I don't know how many followers, uh, how many people you have that actually listen to your podcast. But I'm just going to throw this out there for anyone. I don't care if you're a Democrat. I don't care if you're a Republican. I don't care if you're independent. I don't care if you're a hobo sitting on the end of the street collecting rainwater every day. At the end of the day, we're at the cusp of worldwide history is about to be happening. And the only thing I can do is pray that you and your family are able to make it through this. I, I pray that for, uh, for the listeners, I hope that whatever happens, they keep them and their family safe. And they keep their family as the number one priority. That is an amazing sentiment, and I think that's the best place to end on. Because that that right there is is as bipartisan as you can get. Is whether or not you're a Democrat, Republican, Independent, or in, just any Joe schmo that doesn't claim a party. It's all about what's best for you and your family, and to keep you safe, alive, healthy, and happy. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, that's what we're here for. Why do we go to work? Why do we do, do things? To feed ourselves and feed our families. And I thank you for letting me be on your show. I appreciate it. And I definitely want to have you back in the future. And thank you once again, Joseph. And that's all the time that we have for this episode of the Johnny Ray Show with the special guest, Joseph Williams. I encourage all of you to get out, educate yourself, and learn what each side has going. Because that is the way that you are going to dictate the outcome of your future in this country. Thank you once again. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Johnny Ray Show. Make sure to like share, comment, subscribe, get a hold of me on Facebook or Twitter, and if you you can get a hold of me and, and ask any questions, concerns, comments, feedback, uh, any future topics of discussion that you would like me to discuss here on the show, I'll get to them as I can. Until next time, thank you, God bless. Mm-hmm.